0: The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. It's great to have you here tonight. Thank you so much for coming to celebrate the birth of Jesus, Christmas Eve. You guys in the atrium, we're glad you're with us. We've got people live streaming this hour. We're glad you're with us too. So what a great privilege it is for me to share a few uh, words from the scripture tonight. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to Luke chapter 2. That's where we'll be. If you got a bulletin when you came in, there's an outline there that you can follow along as we talk. So um, we got going in the Christmas spirit in our family back in October. I was coaching a basketball team at 8 o'clock in the morning practice at the North Liberty Rec Center back in October. And during the whole practice on the other, at the other gym at the rec center, there was a waffle breakfast going on. And so the whole morning we're just like, let's go for one that had a couple spots open. And so I said, Bethany, let's go sit there. And so actually I said, Bethany, let's go sit by Santa because there was kind of a heavier guy there that had And he said, I, I am Santa Claus. Like I'm a mall Santa. It's like, no, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah, no, I'm a mall Santa. And so we talked for a while, I didn't know there was such things as, like there's a conference every year in Denver uh, for mall Santas. There's like three to 500 mall Santas that all go. And it's pretty, it's a ritual. Like they learn how to, you know, groom their beard and how to keep the weight on and different things, how to how to handle the questions that you get and that kind of thing. Apparently there's a code. Like if you say, hey, brother in red, that's the way you identify other Santas. Like if you're just out and about in public or have you been good this year or something like that that they got. So I did some more research too. Um, so there's a Santa that made $30,000 one year being Santa from Black Friday. Friday to Christmas Eve, all right? And so I learned that they go through a lot of different things, a lot of different training. Uh, every mall has its own private bathroom and usually Santa gets to use that bathroom instead of like the public one, as you can just imagine, that would be hard to, whatever. So be Santa and go to the public bathroom. So there's that. Um, also they get some pretty interesting requests over time. So like one, one kid wanted a giraffe, like how do you bring a giraffe? One kid wanted an elephant. Uh, one kid wanted Elmo to come visit, you know, for Christmas, that kind of thing. What's hard too? I guess oh, there was one kid that kept saying, "I want to e." It's like you want to e what? I want to e. And so when he's trying to figure out what she's saying, his lap got warm, and he realized she's saying, "I want to pee." And so <laughs> there's some sometimes occupational hazards to being a Santa. So. But what's hard is sometimes you read some of the hard things that sometimes, like a kid will ask Santa for things like, you know, our family's really going through a hard time. My dad doesn't have a job. Could you give my dad a job? You know, and it's just like, that's hard. Or even harder things, you know, like sometime this year our family lost somebody or somebody is far away. Can you bring them back for Christmas? Can you bring them And so there's those gut-wrenching things, too. And so what I want to start with tonight is most of us are a little bit too old to go sit in Santa's lap, right? And to ask for things or hurts or things that we want. Um, So I'm asking, like, who's your Santa tonight? Like when you get older than kid age to go sit on a mall Santa's lap, like, what do you do with your deep hurts and your longings? and, and, And how can you know for sure where you're going is going to be a place where those needs are met? And that's why I love Luke's Gospel. Um, let's turn there if you, if you haven't already. Luke chapter 2. I really like Luke because we are told flat out why Luke wrote his gospel. And it's back in chapter 1. And he tells us that um, there were many people that had sat down to write the story of the life of Christ. And so Luke said there are many people that have done that and many eyewitnesses. And then in verse 3 of chapter 1, he says this, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you can may, you can have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. I love Luke's gospel because it's a personal letter written to his friend named Theophilus. From what we know, Theophilus was somebody on the outside of the whole Jesus story. He was maybe a latecomer to it. And what we also know is Theophilus was probably a man of prominence in some way. He was called most excellent Theophilus. So here's a guy that has a lot to risk. Like if I'm really to trust that this story of Jesus is true, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that God God came to earth as a man. If I'm really to believe this, this could really cost me some things. And I have some hurts and I have some needs in my life that how can I know for sure that this Jesus story is true? And we live in a time where a lot of people are concerned about fake news, like what's true and what's fake. And a lot of people treat this weekend, this Christmas uh, story as a legend or as a story. But, but I would suggest tonight, and as Luke is writing his gospel, this isn't a story that you can have certainty. The key word that we just read was that word certainty, When it was used in other places in the New Testament, one time it was used of some people who were locked away, some prisoners locked away in a prison, and they were locked in. It was sure. It was secure. And so that's what Luke is saying. This is a sure story. These aren't myths and fables, but this is legit. You can bank your life on this. And so as Luke told the story in chapter 2, he said, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world will be registered, this was the first registration when Corinnaeus was governor of Syria. One thing you'll see Luke do, he was a historian and a physician. Uh, Luke would have loved Iowa City. He would love to live here, okay? And so a lot of times you see in his gospel, when he says an event happened, he'll, he'll highlight it or he'll mark it with other historical events or leaders of the time. And so you see that, you see him doing it right here. And he goes on to say, when all went to be registered, each to his own town, uh, Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered to Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So what you see here is while all these earthly kings are setting up censuses, and as Mary and Joseph could say, man, we have to travel to Bethlehem to register for this census, it looks like... Caesar and Quirinius are calling the shots but what's really happening is that God is writing his story his narrative of the birth of Christ because 700 years earlier a prophet named Micah said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem and so Luke is showing us all this these are the events going on but God is writing his story of the birth of his son Christ and Luke says that as they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So a couple things here. They traveled about 90 miles. I've never had a baby before. Those of you that have, can you imagine your ninth month of pregnancy traveling three days, most likely on a donkey, uh, again, 90 miles, and, and then you're giving birth. And there's no place for you. There's no bed. There's no room you're in a stable, your baby's being laid in a manger. These are the humble circumstances to which God's son was born. You know, a historian would look at that and say, you don't make stuff like that up. There's so many things in the scripture that you say that couldn't have been made up. Like you would expect the son of God to be born in a palace and to be surrounded by by kings and by rulers. And yet this is the, these are the facts. This is exactly the way this came to be. And how simply it just says that that Mary gave birth to her first child. As far as we know, Mary's mom wasn't there. As far as we know, there wasn't a midwife. There wasn't a hospital in Bethlehem. That you're looking at Mary most likely 13, 14 years old. Most likely uh, engaged with a guy that's like 15 or 16. And he's your only helper in having this, this child. And yet these are the details that God came to earth while all the rulers were calling the shots on the earth, God was writing a script, and the Son of God came to earth in such humble circumstances. And then Luke describes, uh, again, you can't make this stuff up. This is, these are, these are <laughs> details of a historian listening, talking to eyewitnesses, re- looking at the facts, and now telling the story to his friend, Theophilus. And then what we're going to camp on tonight is the explanation. What is this all about? And so we're going to read I want you to help me read it. We're going to read verses 8 to 14. And this is the message of the angels to the shepherds describing what just happened. Okay, so Luke 2, 8 through 14. Let's read it together. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Good job. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at that statement that said, this is good news of great joy for all people. The good news is that a Savior is born. Jesus is described as Savior Christ and Lord. That's the only verse in the Bible where those three names are attached together, side by side. But the prominent word is that Jesus came to be our Savior. Here's one big point of tonight, is that uh, there would be no Christmas. There's a dark side to Christmas, that Christmas exists uh, because sin exists, okay? Every- the Bible teaches us the honest truth about ourselves, that every one of us has sinned against the holy God that we have offended him, we have done our thing instead of his thing, that we have treated people that he loved and created wrong. We have, all of us have, and and I'll put myself in the front of that line. I am the worst sinner that I know, okay? So you guys can fight for number two and three behind me, but every one of us has a problem of sin, and the Bible says that sin separates us from God, and it makes us enemies with god and so i don't know if what 2016 was like for you what the last several years of your life have been but if there's a constant pattern of our lives of us living in a way that god doesn't want that does not go well for us one of my favorite moments from 2016 um was happened to a guy named chris now chris uh, has done some work around parkview before when you leave today if you see that paneling on the right side He did some of that work for us. Chris uh, works with construction. He um, helped us with the shelter that's out outside. So Chris was with a friend of mine in my friend's backyard, and they were chopping down a tree. And so Chris was 20 feet off the ground on a really big branch, topping off the top of that tree. And as he was cutting that down, a big part of that tree fell and crushed Chris, again, 20 feet off the ground and pinned him. And so as my friend described that, he just felt incredibly helpless. Chris couldn't get out. Chris was pinned. And my friend couldn't do anything. He's 20 feet off the ground. And just that that panic set in and that fear. And how can I rescue Chris? And so calling 911. And guys, we have some amazing first responders in our community. And they were able to get Chris down. And so for three weeks or so, Chris was in a coma. And then one of the coolest things that happened this year of people I've been praying for and, uh, is, that, is that Chris um, survived that, that the tree missed his head, didn't do much damage to his spine. And so even after coming out of the coma another week in the hospital, he went to a rehab center, was supposed to be there six months. He was out in like two weeks. Like that's, that's an amazing story. Uh, but the point there is just our picture, sometimes we minimize our condition before God that sin is a huge deal. And just like just like Chris was pinned and had no hope of getting out from that tree without the first responders, the same is true for us in our situation before God. We are stuck. And even the people in our lives that might want to try to help us and help get our lives going again in places we feel stuck or we're separated from God, we can't do it. That's why we needed a savior. See, Jesus is a savior. Not just somebody that comes and tweaks us, but he rescues us. We are in big trouble because we're enemies of God. Uh, Christmas exists because sin exists. But the flip side of that is true too, that Christmas exists because God loves sinners. Isn't that awesome? Christmas exists because sin exists, but also Christmas exists because God loves sinners. Romans 5.8 says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's a great demonstration of God's love for you And for me, Jesus said too, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came to earth is to be our savior. So guys, that is good news that we are no longer enemies of God, but we can actually become children of God. C.S. Lewis said this, the son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. Isn't that awesome? You go from being his enemy to be in his son, because you can be saved from your sin through Jesus Christ. All right, so that's good news. And then he says, this is great joy. Also, if there's a theme you see throughout Luke's gospel, it's that theme of joy. In fact, in the first two chapters of just telling the birth story of Jesus, there's at least four songs. I don't know if you go to plays sometimes, or if you go to musicals, Sometimes if you're in a hurry, you don't want to go to a musical because you don't get through the story, right? They have a little story and then they sing about it. And then there's a little more story and then let's stop and sing about that, you know? So sound of music, things like that. It's like, if you're impatient, you're saying, stop singing, just tell me the story, right? So, but in Luke, he can't just tell the story. He continues to interrupt it with people that are just erupting with joy as they understand what this means, that God has come to earth in the form of a child, that, that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, came to rescue us from sin, that we can now have a relationship with God. Like that just erupts with joy in the hearts of the people that are seeing this happen. So there is great joy. And you ask, well, what's the joy in this? I think my favorite verse just kind of summarizes, what is the joy of all of this, of what Jesus has done? For me, it's Romans eight thirty one and 32 what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us, how will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Guys, how would your life look different if you just knew every day that God is for you, He is. He's proven that by giving you Christ, the greatest thing that he has to give. And so there's a whole new way that you live when you know that God is for you, that God is with you, that God is ready and eager to help you and bless you. It's a whole different way to live your life. Good news, great joy uh, for all people, for all people. Even in just the little bit of the story we've read we see a pretty good continuum of the all people, okay? Let's talk about first for people of status, people of status. And I don't know if that's something you go, yeah, that's me. You're talking about me now, but whatever. But in this story, Theophilus was one of those people, a person of status, most excellent Theophilus, whatever his prominence was, if it's in business, uh, if it's in government, he was a big man, okay. And so Luke's saying, like, oh, Theophilus, God will love you just because of how awesome you are. He's like, no, you read throughout the Gospel of Luke. God is not impressed with riches. God is not impressed with titles. God is not impressed with human prominence. What God is impressed with is with a repentant and a humble heart that just cries out to Him and says, God, I need you. So the message from Luke to Theophilus is God is not going to be swayed by your power, by your office, by your wealth. Christianity is not a negotiation with God. It's a surrender to God. God, I, I, I am a sinner. And so most excellent Theophilus, you need to see that Jesus came humbly to live on this earth, to die for your sins, and your response most excellent theophilus needs to be that you repent before god and say god i am a sinner i need a savior please forgive my sins through jesus christ rescue me and so it's for all people it's for people of status some of you guys um know that um jeff one of the pastors here his son-in-law is ben zobrist right and so if cubs fans like 2016 huge year for you they won the world series Ben was the MVP. Uh, the last two years, Ben has been on the World Series winning team, right? So that's pretty awesome. When they had the victory parade for the Chicago Cubs, five million people. Was anybody there? Anybody here, there? So um, one of our pastors was there. So, but um, not Jeff, one of the other ones too. But, um, but he got to speak in front of like five million people, they estimate were there. And he just talked about Jesus. Because if you know Ben's story, there have been some key times in his career where he was struggling and really wondering like, is this for me? Like, am I going to cut it here? His identity was being crushed. It was impacting his marriage. And so at a very key time in his life, he just had to go humble and he had to repent and say, God, would you lead me? God, would you just take charge of my life? In your bulletin there, I've given you a link where you can just kind of read his story or we've got some hard copies of that. But the gospel is for all people. And even those that Theophilus, or the Benzobris, or whoever it is getting the headlines, you, you need Christ, okay? And, and so this message is for all people. Let's go maybe where maybe more of us would identify. I'll put myself more in this category of people with no status, all right? Look at who God wanted to hear the message of the birth of his son first. It wasn't the kings, it wasn't Caesar, it wasn't Quirinius, it was the shepherds right? So in Jesus' day, if you were a shepherd, it wasn't something like you aspired to. It was something you got stuck with, right? You couldn't do anything else, so you'd be a shepherd. Um, sometimes shepherds weren't allowed to testify in a court of law. They didn't, they didn't trust shepherds. Shepherds couldn't worship with everybody else for a couple different reasons. You wouldn't want shepherds hanging out. They smelled bad, like all this stuff. But out of all the people on the planet, who were the ones that heard first the message of Christ? It was the shepherds, Guys, you need to know that the gospel message is incredibly inclusive. Anybody, anybody can come to Jesus, Theophilus or a shepherd, but it's incredibly exclusive. Is that the only way you receive the gospel, it's the same for the rich or the poor, or the shepherd or Theophilus, is that you come humbly before Christ and you admit that you need a sinner, or that you need a savior. You admit that you're a sinner and that you repent of your sin. And you ask Christ to be your savior. The gospel is for all people. You guys, as a pastor, I've had the privilege this year of seeing people that aren't in the limelight, but people that are in the in the ditches and in the throes and in the battles of this life, and and bat, whatever you want to whatever blank you want to fill in. If it's battling for a marriage, if it's battling cancer, if it's to the extent of losing a child, and just seeing families in a cross section. One thing, two thousand sixteen will. I'll remember is that there are people that in the trenches are clinging to the hope of the gospel, and God is showing up for them, and God is being real to them, and God is giving them strength and hope. This gospel is for all people, for all situations, okay? So it's for the prominent. It's for the people with no status. I just want to make sure you're getting this, that this is for you, that Christ has come for you. That was the message of angel to shepherd. This is for you. I wanna say the same to you tonight. This is for you. And so if you're you know, like, I'll see you next Christmas Eve, or I'll see you maybe at Easter, like you're only here a couple times a year, you just need to know that this gospel is not, it's, it's not a it's not a ritual, it's not a legend, it's legit, it's true, and you need it, it's for you. And so my encouragement to you, just like the angel said to the shepherds, hey, go. A sign for you is that you'll see a baby in a manger, and then you'll know all this is true. My encouragement to you is if you don't believe this tonight, if this is still kind of somebody drug you here, or the family just brings you here, and you're doing your duty, you know, for the family taking a hit for the team to be in church on Christmas Eve, let me just encourage you. This is true, and I encourage you to check it out. And one resource we have for you, there's a book called The Case for Christmas. It was written by a guy that was a complete skeptic. He was a Chicago Tribune writer, just couldn't, didn't believe any of this stuff. His wife kind of drug him along, but as he investigated these things, he found them to be true. Just like Luke said, I've investigated these things, Theophilus, and this is true. You can trust this, and so I put that out there for you, and that sometime, I think, as you're putting the pieces together, here's what God's calling you to do. In your bulletin, I'm calling it under, like, how do you respond to this? Under the ABC section, that you admit that you're a sinner, you believe in Jesus Christ, that he came to die for your sins and to give you new life. And then you confess that. You tell a friend that you need Jesus and that you've trusted Jesus. Or or you tell, I would love to hear that tonight, or, or one of the leaders here, or the friend that brought you, but you confess to someone that I am following Jesus now. So just follow those ABCs. And guys, the holiday time is a great time. You're with family, you're with friends this is a good time to just ask each other do you do you believe this do you do you understand the truth of christmas and so so the gospel is for you this message is for you and then i just want to say one more thing this this message this good news is for the people that you share it with it's for the people that are around you that don't know this yet and so one of my favorite things I, just seeing you guys coming in and out in the foyer both services i love this week i love this weekend because I just, as I see you, I just see so many stories of, of people who have taken this, this message that God has given you, and you're sharing it. I think of just many ways throughout Iowa City that you guys, week after week, are just out caring for people. You're loving people. You're pointing people to Christ. God has blessed you. Now you're blessing them. That's awesome. As your pastor, I love seeing that. And then I love seeing how you guys do that even globally, that we have Right now, 44 global workers, those are people that are in different places of the world uh, talking to other people about Jesus. We have two that are in Ukraine here tonight with us, back visiting family, that's awesome. We have people in Jordan, people in Iraq, people in China, people in Egypt, just all over because they have learned so much and they can't help but to want to share that with others. And so, so thankful for this church and the way that you guys live this out, that this is true, that God has blessed you And now you want to be a blessing to Iowa City and to the nations. And so um, this is truly good news, great joy for all people. And so um, the team's going to come and lead us in a couple more songs. Um, This is uh, a weekend where a lot of times people worship during the weekend. And as members or regular attenders, we're not going to take an offering tonight. There's some baskets on your way out. But if part of your worship rhythm is giving on this weekend, you can just do that as As you're leaving. If you're visiting with us tonight, that's not, that's you're just here, and we're so glad you're here as our guests. But I'm so excited to see what God is going to continue to do through the gospel, through you, and through this church in the year ahead. So let me pray for us and we'll just continue to worship tonight. Jesus, I thank you that we are talking to a living Savior, that all these facts that we're reading about and celebrating this weekend, that you were born of a virgin, that you were born in a stable that shepherds were the first to hear about it. These are all true things that happen. And that the gospel is true, that every one of us in here is a sinner, but yet every one of us is loved by God. And Jesus, you came to die for our sins, to take our sins, and then to give us new life. What an amazing trade you're offering us. And I pray if there's people here that have not accepted your offer yet, that that God, this would be the weekend. that that people would trust you and, and ask you for this gift of salvation. God, thank you for this church. Keep us humble. God, as you have blessed us in so many ways, we want to be a people that bless this city and the world. In your great name we pray.